the show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Greetings, everyone. My name is Jay Love, and welcome to Turning a Moment into a Movement. And I am your host, and I also represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son. For those who um, are, if this is your first time joining us, Gerard is my son, and he was uh, wrongfully convicted of a crime he didn't do. Innocent, and he went to prison for that. And so... Um, because of that journey with Gerard, I um, created this platform and to educate and to motivate um, um, everyone about wrongful convictions, to inspire people, to help others bring um, get their stories out. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Now today we're going to move a little differently. Um, first, um, I'm going to bring on, um, well, let me just say this. I, um, in this journey with Gerard doing the wrongful uh, conviction, I was introduced to Mr. Sam Riddle. And because of that um, introduction, I was able to be on his show uh, every Friday to talk about wrongful convictions. And so I'm going to bring Sam on because we used to do this every Friday on his platform. Hi, Sam. Hi, good afternoon. Good evening, J. Love. <laughs> Great. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm in East Lansing now on my way to uh, Breslin Fieldhouse for a Michigan State University basketball game against Villanova, and I just have a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for just coming on with, you know, giving us these few minutes. Um, well, but you've got Attorney Robinson. You've got Hugo Mack. I mean, <laughs> you've got just a stellar uh list of guests and whatnot. I'm just honored to be on the same platform. <laughs> well, thank you. So there's a tell you go back right there. So <laughs> my man. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, uh okay, I see. Well I'm just gonna bring everybody in. Trisha. <laughs> And our other family member, <laughs> Attorney David Robinson. Hi, Attorney Robinson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Right. Good seeing everybody. So welcome, everyone. So, Sam, you know, before you uh, leave us, we're coming yeah. on to talk about, you know, um, what's been going on in the city recently with um, mental health and policing. And yeah. so... <laughs> I'm just going to let you take the mic. Well, first of all, you know, it's open season. I once wrote a series of articles, well, at least two, for the Pulse Institute, America's premier poverty-fighting think tank based in Detroit, founded by uh, journalist Bankale Thompson. And, you know, it's open season if you have mental health challenges and someone calls the police. 
I wrote two articles, attorneys Matt Robinson and Trichet. I wrote two articles, both of them called the same thing. Don't call the police. And this was several years ago. And the reason is that when folks call the police and you have a person that has mental health challenges, it's a, it's a gateway to death. And in Detroit, in the last few weeks, we've seen that. We saw one young black man literally executed by firing squad. And those weren't attorney Jeff Feiger's words. Those words were first uttered by Detroit City Councilwoman at large, Mary Waters, who had stood with you, Jay Love, stood with you, Trisha Duckworth, outside that women's prison, uh, outside of uh, Ypsilanti there. And, uh, or was it Ann Arbor? Well, we were somewhere around there. But anyway, the point I'm making is that when the police are used as, as a firing squad to execute someone, that, that's just bad policing. Uh, in San Francisco, when they get a call about uh, someone with mental health challenges, they have a special response team. The police don't even respond because when the police show up, it automatically escalates the situation more often than not. In Detroit, and what's occurred in the last few weeks, We've had instances where, again, the young man, I think 38 bullets were fired by five different officers. I believe 15 to 18 actually struck him. Of course, he was dead on the uh, scene. Within the last few days, we had a woman, again, killed. And they will say it's justified because she had a weapon. But the chief suspended, the chief of police, White, whom I've stood with on several occasions, uh immediately uh, suspended without pay supervisors that were on the scene because they did not exercise good judgment or leadership, words to that effect, coming from Detroit Police Chief White. Uh, we've got a crisis across this nation in, in terms of how we deal when, when, with, 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 with police who become the chief responders. No real training. And worse yet, they do not have a culture of policing in America which places a premium on the sanctity of life. And in a city like Detroit, arguably America's blackest and poorest city, I believe, in my capacity as a senior fellow with the Pulse Institute, that there's a direct correlation between poverty and mental illness. Uh, and when you have a higher level of those that must address their own mental health challenges, their challenges become the community's challenges. And we cannot have those armed with a badge and a weapon and no real culture of policing that places a high premium on life itself. We've got just execution squads running amok and they get away with it. Now there may be civil verdicts, settlements, but the reality is we don't need police executing people that need treatment, not killing. I don't know what else to say, Jay Love. It's just a damn shame. It just makes me angry because we can do so much better. Even Police Chief White knows we can do so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right, Sam. Trisha, go ahead. You know, I, I just couldn't sleep the other night. You know, I, I kept looking at the video of the girl talking to the police and it was a build, right? And so this is what I don't understand. Where is your training? Oh, oops, excuse me.
because your training is to kill us in situations like this or it wouldn't keep happening. I told somebody the other day, I was talking to a police officer and I said, sir, with all due respect, if we're going to understand why you can successfully detain our Caucasian siblings, but kill us, we've got to point back to the fact of what policing stands for. What is the foundation of policing? If they were slave catchers and they were so quick to <laughs> if they were slave catchers and they were so quick to kill us then and we still being killed right now, then that means that there's something going on with the mentality of policing when it comes to people who look like you and I. Mm -hmm. And until we get real about that, we ain't going to trust me just because you see an officer that looks like us. Don't you think? Now, now I'm gonna do like you gonna now, now now don't you think for one minute, right? That, that look like us Say it. that they Say are it. not in their minds still with that same mentality of a slave catcher because it doesn't matter what you look like. The foundation, if you are there in that organization, you are practicing what that foundation is teaching you. So until they go back and tear down that wicked foundation, we are going to continue to see stuff like this. Until we rise up and say we ain't taking this shit no more, we're going to continue to see stuff like this. And woe unto all of us that will continue to see us be murdered and act like it's a normal thing to happen. We have normalized the death of black people at the hands of police and we need to stop it. Yes. Attorney Robinson. <laughs> I can't hear you, Attorney Robinson. Your mic is muted. Sorry. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't say it any better than both of Trache and Sam uh have uh put it. Absolutely uh it uh it is a horrible thing where we are seeing uh our young people being murdered literally by police officers and again whether a black police officer or a white police officer, it's the same because they get the same training. They they come from the same, you know source so to speak um it, it's so interesting in both the the young man's case with mr burks and the young lady's case uh i just want to read one thing and this is comes out of the uh detroit police department use of force um research indicates that one of the most common factors found in both police excessive or unjustified use of force and officer injuries and fatalities during force encounters is an officer's perceived compulsion to press forward rather than to disengage, back off, and explore other options. The most appropriate response choice to a situation often involves de-escalation, disengagement, area containment, surveillance, waiting out a suspect, summoning reinforcements, or calling in specialized commands. Now, that is in the Detroit Police Department manual. So... In the book that I wrote, you know, one of the things that is so ignored by police departments and ignored in the training regimen for police all over the country, not just here, is to really not focus on what I it what it is that I just read. Because what I just read in all police encounters, whether you're dealing with a mentally ill patient or any other uh, sort of uh, person who the police regularly come in contact, what is better and more uh, safe than a bulletproof vest is uh, the type of uh, discretion that a police officer has at his disposal, 
but refuses to exercise. In the case of Mr. Burks, had they have done exactly what is written in their own policy, Mr. Burks would be alive today. I love what Sam said about the police shouldn't even be called to the scene. That's an absolute truth because, you know, somebody that comes without a gun is better off because the gun is too much of a temptation to, you know, uh, 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 dispatch that individual um, and use the excuse that that person was some somehow a threat. And, and then, again, get away with murder. I have the uh, pleasure of representing a young lady by the name of Shelly Smith back in 2018. And, and this has made the news. You probably heard about her at uh, going undergoing a mental health crisis. She was taken to the church receiving hospital by the same police officer that brutalized her, beat the hell out of her and was captured on a citizen's uh, phone. And of wow. course, you know, this officer now uh, is, uh, has been prosecuted. He appealed the 36th district overturned his conviction. He was retried. It was a hung jury. And from what I understand, prosecutors want to try to uh, go up again after him another time. It's, this dude got promoted. Right. He got convicted of beating Shelby Smith. I mean, he hit, he's empty. And, and again, it's a BS because that same officer, just like these other officers that shot and killed Mr. Burke and the young lady that was shot and killed also, don't even read the provision and the policy that I just read to you. They're ignorant of that. And that's why, you know, it leads to these tragedies for which they do get away with murder over and over and over again. I represented uh, a bunch of people that have been killed by uh, police officers, not just here, but in other cities and other states. And the mentality is exactly the same. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, just real quick, because I'm going to be leaving in a couple of minutes. Okay. How, how, how you doing there, man? Is that the pastor with us over there in the corner? <laughs> yeah, that's Rabbit <laughs> I know who it is. I, I saw it at the Ethiopian place in Ferndale. But anyway. That's right. How you doing? <laughs> oh, good. Nice seeing you. But the point I'd like to make, and, and you know, when I was coming out of law school in, in Ann Arbor, University of Michigan, I had the dubious distinction of trying all the mental cases in Genesee County under the auspices of then president of the National District Attorneys Association, Robert F. Leonard, who just passed this past year. And what I noticed day in, day out, I was in probate court and I ended up not just representing the people, but the respondents, the people that were supposed to be getting treatment because uh, the court system the professional psychologists, social workers, psychiatrists, the, their attorneys, they were all concerned with one thing, and that was patient control, not the treatment, not, not, not making someone well, not healing someone. And I noticed that in particular, when it came to people of African descent, black folks, and Trisha pointed this out earlier, there's a different valuation in terms of how black lives are not valued, how white lives, no matter what the circumstances, are valued at a higher level, even by black police officers who buy into the white supremacist notion of 
devaluing uh, people of African descent. And, and, and it makes killing, once you devalue the, the very humanity of a human being, it makes killing them very easy. Even if you are the same race and color, you have adopted the oppressive white supremacist ideology that makes killing one of your own easier than taking a white life, which you won't even entertain the thought of because we've been so conditioned to our own genocide. And that's something that's got to be addressed in terms of how we deal with these uh, uh, police officers in urban America, wherever we are. You can't talk about, as Stokely used to remind us, you can't talk about the nature of oppression without talking about the oppressor. But anyway, that, that 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 that's it for me. I'm on my way out of here. I Thank wish you, I had Sam. I owe you two more sessions. Jayla. I know. I owe okay. you too. <laughs> okay. But I love I you guys. Love you and, too, and, Sam. And, and take it easy. Attorney Mac, I'll be seeing you out there, Trisha. Love you, you, big brother. Okay. Love you guys. Love take care now. Okay. okay. Bye, Sam. Okay, you guys. Real quick, uh, Jay. Mm-hmm. I just want to piggyback on one thing that he said because we think that it's just policing. But there are many folks that don't know how to deal with folks that look like us. I'm a social worker. Do you know how many social workers don't even want to deal with stuff like this? I literally had conversation with a group of social workers that said, me be dispatched to someone's home if they're having a mental health crisis? Well, if I go to the home, I would want to take the police with me. These are helpers. These are people that went to school to help. See, let me tell y'all something dumb. Not just because I got the degree. They say that the social work degree is the e- one of the easier degrees that you can get. So see, I have an inkling that some folks in this field was just here for the easy degree and not because they went, but it was, don't sleep. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But I'm just saying easier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a feeling that some folks were just here to just to get the degree and not to help. Because how you going to be a social worker and you took an oath to help folks don't they have something like that at the at the nasw uh don't they have some uh the the code of ethics right that we got over there all of that in there says that we are supposed to be helping people and you don't even want to help somebody in the midst of a crisis you would rather the police go and then look what happens when the police go Mm -hmm. and then we normalize it because it just keeps happening and ain't nobody saying nothing. I haven't seen hardly anybody on my social media say anything about that young girl and her death or the young man before then because we keep normalizing these deaths. Mm-hmm. Yes. Attorney Matt, go ahead. Well, look, first of all, let me give a shout out to Sam Rell. Can you hear me, J-Love? Yeah, I hear you well. Okay, all right. Let me give a shout out to, to Sam Rell. You know, <laughs> I feel I need to pay that man royalties because I plagiarize him so much, so much, you know, you know, you know, you know, from, you know, what the hell, you know, to, you know, it's over. It's over. So Look, I put that repertoire into into my speech pattern. And, you know, somebody challenged me on that one time. So you ain't doing nothing repeating what Sam Riddle said. So I told Sam about that. And I said, Sam, this is what's happening. He said, look, man, I'm over it already. So, so, so it's share knowledge and understanding, you know. And so I, I want to touch on it from another point of view, J-Love, okay. uh, another perspective. You know, my part of my career uh, in and out the penitentiary, let's, let's talk about independent penitentiary for a moment, okay? Okay. What happens to these folks when 
they get in the system. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's it's bad enough. It's terrible people being killed by police. You know, before they even get in the system. But I can tell you from firsthand experience. You know, in the state of Michigan, they they they've got a a, a plea protocol: guilty but mentally ill. Okay, mm -hmm. guilty but mentally ill. Okay. Now I've been in prisons where I've seen where the quote unquote guilty but mentally ill are. And I'm telling you, it's a kind of warehousing. Okay. It, it's a kind of warehousing. Um, in the penitentiary, they've got what's called Medline. Okay. And they, they have it two or three times a day and they give you a cup and maybe a, some water or some apple juice or whatever. And you go to that line, they give you the medications. You have to take it in front of them. And I'm telling you, in every penitentiary I've been in, I know I keep saying this, y'all, but it's true. They've got a walking track, okay? And I would see people leave that med line and just walk around that track, almost like a big hamster trail. And I'm telling you, from what I've seen in the penitentiary, I see none or next to none treatment for people with mental health issues. They, they say they don't have the money, they don't have the resources. And they tout these, these corrections officers as being on the front line to protect us, protect us in terms of keeping people incarcerated. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this panel has got a more dangerous vocation than a corrections officer. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> you don't have unions backing you up. You don't have cameras and guns backing you up. You don't have a whole system of domination backing you up, Okay. So what I'm saying is not only do we need to address the situation of mental health out on the streets, we need to start addressing the absence of mental health treatment for people that are in the system because 89% of people are going to get out, you know? And so when they don't have the mental health treatment in there, what are we doing, J-Love, Reverend Tia, uh, counsel? What are we doing? We're putting people back on the streets and we haven't helped them. All we've done is warehouse them for two, five, 15, 20 years, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Tony Robinson, and then we're going to go to you, Robert Tia. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, um, of course, Engler, as you recall, closed the uh, mental health facilities. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. Yes, he um, did. And nothing has happened under any administration since him to change that. And um, as uh, Attorney Max says, all it is is like a revolving door. Because you go in, you really don't get any sort of treatment. You just get sort of observation. And, you know, I, you know, I, I dealt personally, you know, uh, with mental health uh, as probably every family has because somebody they know somebody or somebody in your family has problems. Um, there definitely are challenging situations, but at the same time, um, it takes a special skill to be able to deal with people like that. Detroit supposedly after Shelly Smith was violated by uh, this Sergeant Jones, who was a corporal at the time, has uh, come up with a critical incident training and a, a specific uh, um, unit of individuals to deal with mental health issues. Well, 
if that's the case, then they felt miserably <laughs> with these last two individuals they've encountered. And it's been more since 2018 uh, with my client, Shelly Smith, and um, this last uh, Mr. Burke situation. So um, they need to go back to the drawing board, <laughs> number one, if they're going to have that type of so-called intervention. And when you look at uh, the, um, the, the, the cover, just, just think about this for a second. You know, <laughs> time and distance are always on a police officer's side. It really is. And again, it's safer than a bulletproof vest. It's safer than the gun they carry on their side. That keeps them out of trouble, and it keeps the person uh, that they are dealing with from getting hurt. Mm -hmm. There was an urgency in either of those cases, cases, nor was there any sort of strategy to confront either of those cases. They rushed in, all right? Now, they get the benefit, unfriggin' fortunately, of always using the excuse of he was a threat or was a danger to himself or a danger to somebody else. This young man had a knife. The knife was eight inches long open, so the blade was only four inches long. It's five police officers there. You're going to tell me that this dude's got a knife and they got to shoot him 38 times. It shit does not make sense. I'm sorry. It doesn't. They, had, they could resort to something else and they should be required to do so. But it never um, registers. It never makes the radar, you know, that patience, distance, time, another strategy can work. Mm -hmm. Police officer should go to work with the understanding that not only he wants to go home, but everybody he interacts to wants to go home too. Right. Way to accomplish that. But they refuse to do so. Right. Police departments so don't want to change. Right. Before Reverend T, I want to say this. Attorney Robinson, I remember um, Shelly Smith case because I remember on being on Sam's show and we're talking about that. And I remember watching the video and he beat her like she was uh, a man. I mean, it was horrendous. And you would think after that, you know, you have the police commissioners and stuff, you know, you have which supposedly be the balances and the checks to you know make sure these things get done but then within uh you have porter brooks october and then a the month later you have another one and so obviously nobody has you know made anybody accountable especially when you can beat somebody like that and then get promoted mm -hmm. and then when you say promote promotions they don't base it off of you know their their behavior they base it off of uh, you know other things and so now we got a conflict with the union because the union is pushing this you know nobody is worried about the people who pay the salaries you know the people who are the taxpayers so i just find it that you know these conversations when they're talking about you know even in a press conference when they were talking about you know um the certain dynamics that made it okay for them to do what they did, but yet still you had to suspend people. You know, it's just to me fluff to normalize what they really did. Go ahead, Rabatia. Oh my goodness, Jay. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, 
working in the mental health field and knowing that, and, and, and this is what gets me is that the state and other professionals, they know, they know that many of the officers have psychological problems themselves. That's right. That's right. So they're not even able, they're not fit to respond because they're not mental health workers. They're not, they, they're not able to, well, yeah, they, they've had training in criminology, but not in mental health. Yes, there is a cross between the two. Yes, you can, there's some things that are related, but, but you can't say that my degree is in criminal justice and it's the same degree as in psychology or in social work. <laughs> they are not fit to be mental health workers. They are not fit to respond to mental health issues. The problem is that people in the community call because they want help right away. And they have the facade that, that the police officer can be that help. And I'm not saying, you know, that nobody is getting help sometimes. What I'm saying is that they are not equipped in their own mind, in their own knowledge. They're not equipped to handle mental health issues. Now, in the studies, research show that brutal police officers show traits of antisocial personality disorder and fearless dominance and being cold-hearted. Now, if they already have this as a trait, they're not really fit to be a person to serve in the community. <clears throat> We're not testing officers to see their own psychological capacities to help in the community. So what is anti, what are the symptoms of antisocial behavior? Behaviors include cruelty to animals, difficulty with authority. Early on, people with antisocial behavior often will set fire to different places. Often they have legal problems. They have difficulty conforming to social norms and a lack of concern for the rights of others. These are police officers. Mm -hmm. Often act out of impulsivity. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Just pulling the gun out right away. Fall to fail to consider the consequence of their actions. They display aggressiveness <clears throat> and stability that often lead to physical assaults. They have difficulty feeling empathy for others. That alone, if you don't have empathy, for others, and you are a police officer who you are supposed to serve and protect, your serving capacity is limited. And so is your protection. Display a lack of remorse for damaging behavior. You're not sorry. You're not sorry. Often have poor or abusive relationships with others and are more likely to abuse or neglect their children. And let I might I also add, and their wives. Mm -hmm. How many times have we seen and heard officers who were abusive to their wives and to their families? 
And finally, frequently lying to deceive others for their personal gain. Now, is this the person we want in a position to serve and to protect? Excellent. No. No. They need to be fired. And whoever's oh. over them who has allowed it, they need to be fired. You know, they need to read the whole thing. Go ahead, Attorney Matt. You know, I, I just want to say, you know, in terms of this whole indoctrination, you know, it's it's real, you know, in, in a paramilitary sense. You know, um, I'm a I'm a former Eagle Scout, okay, and I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. You know, fewer than two percent of all black scouts are Eagle Scouts. I'm 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 proud of that. But having said that, having said that, I'm telling you now. We have an indoctrination culture in this nation, and it is really based on us versus them. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, I grew up playing football. I'm sure, you know, Attorney, Attorney Robinson has got, you know, similar experience. Or or ladies, you know, Tia, I remember Tia is an all-stater, you know, basketballs. If, if I seem to remember right, I still got your clippings. I still got your clippings. And so, 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 she, so, she, so she knows what it means. It's us versus them. You know, and I'm saying coming up in Scouts, um, it was a total indoctrination for me that I thrived in, you know, and it, it, it was no problem being a senior patrol leader, putting one of my subordinates in check. You know what I'm saying? And then when I got old, I realized, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be a part of, part of the solution because you do conform and you are rewarded for conforming. You know what I'm saying? When I conformed and did what they told me I had to do for those merit badges, I was rewarded with a promotion. And so what I'm seeing is when I look back on my life in this in this fourth quarter of my life, well, maybe third quarter of my life, I can look back and see how the system had me so involved. And if you didn't meet that standard, that criteria, I'd recommend you don't get that badge, you know. And so without realizing how... I became a part of it, you know, and, and which is one reason I, I bear that to this day, because I see how people who didn't fit the mold should really have been given more of a chance by me. You understand what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. and they, they weren't. And that's one reason I wanted to become a criminal defense attorney, because growing up in Ann Arbor, the, the panacea of greatness, Camelot, it, it, it's far from that. And particularly black kids. You know, we had so many black kids expelled from the Ann Arbor Public Schools. You would not believe it. You would not believe it. And they have an alternative school called Roberto Clemente. Okay, you know that was designed for black for black kids because they didn't want them black kids disturbing uh, the the whites or students like me. You know that was uh, college bound. And, and it's just wrong. You know. And so I live with that every day. And I. I confess that to y'all, you know, and and trying to be part of the the, the solution because we definitely have a hell of a mojo been run on us. We really have. Mm -hmm. Um, when you look at um, these cases, though, Attorney Mack and Attorney uh, Robinson, it's like the same thing over and over again. You know, even when I was researching this, it's in other states, it's all over, it's the same thing. 
And so, you know, there are some states that are trying to implement um, different programs, but I mean, even whatever they implemented here, it, they bounce back to going back to the default setting. So doing the same thing is they don't stop it. And I don't know if it's a mindset or it's the, the training that, you know, creates that, but, you know, they say they're going to do these things. We're going to have uh, responders with them, but, but they rush in. They didn't even wait in, uh, for the young lady. They didn't even wait for the responders to show up. Mm-hmm. They just ran in there. And so when you holler gun, 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 and if we're not seeing the video all the way around, our mindsets, you know, we think it was a, she had a gun. We don't really know if she had a gun. They didn't put that video out real quick to show. I I haven't seen their video yet. Only video that's been out is the one that she had on social media because she was live streaming at the time. Yeah, and the only reason we saw that video or the young man um i think it was in 2020 that was shot i forget his name um who uh when chief craig was the 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 chief of police his so-called transparency and uh chief uh this new Mm -hmm. chief his so-called transparency they're only going to show you the videos where um it it looks like the police officer done something right Mm -hmm. I'm representing right now <laughs> um, the young man that was shot in the back uh, by a police officer at the drag racing. He was shot in the back as he's running away. Well, there's a video of that, but Chief White has not put that video out because it does not favor the cops. So they're transparent when they want to be transparent because it benefits them. When it doesn't benefit them, although the video tells the truth, they're not going to be transparent about that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this thing is so one-sided. Let me make another point here because I want to go back to George Floyd for a second. Okay. Because, you know, it's like the world saw the tragedy of George Floyd being murdered at the hands of a police officer. It was the first time you know, that the world really has had an opportunity, you know, to see that type of brutality and that mentality. Well, I submit to you that if it hadn't been for that citizen's camera, (laughs) that police officer, uh, Chauvin, would be walking the streets uh, and back on patrol to this day. Uh, I've lost the camera here. Are you here? Okay. He would be, and and the video was so damning that literally for a period of time now, we saw police officers teaming up against uh, uh, police officers. We saw chiefs of police, you know, getting down on one knee with the protesters. But, and we saw like efforts by, you know, some good Congress people to want to make change and reform uh, but what did we see? Nothing coming from our United States Supreme Court, you know, and nothing coming from uh, our federal courts who are have been now stacked with these Trumpy, uh, Trumpian judges and so forth. And you're not hearing anything about George Floyd right. at this time. I mean, as devastating and as tragic as it was, and 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 for that moment. 
you know, that it, it brought, uh, you know, the establishment to its knees. All that shit's gone now, okay? Mm -hmm. There aren't going to be any reforms. And that's why these damn cops keep getting away. And it starts from the friggin' Supreme Court all down to these district courts into these state courts that are following the edicts of the federal government and the conservative uh, politicians to make certain that a police officer gets home safely. Mm -hmm. And to hell with the person that the police officer is encountering. They give cops more excuses to murder somebody or to brutalize somebody than anybody else in the world. And this is a cotton-picking shame. And I want to start cussing, but I'm not. <laughs> because it just irritates me and hurts me. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for 37 years now, and I see it over and over and over again. It's brutality. It is so uh, disadvantaged as against the people that the police deal with and advantage to the police mm -hmm. over and over again. <clears throat> So. What's interesting, you know, uh, Attorney uh, Robinson, you were saying about the gentleman that you represented that got shot in the back. They just shot another guy in the leg the other day that was running away, right? right? So when you go to CPL training, they teach you, like, okay, if somebody in your house and if they're running away, you can't shot them, shoot at them. If you do, then right. you're going to be arrested, right? right. And you're going to go to jail regardless mm. if you have that license because they were running away. Mm. However, on the flip side, police, mm. they're shooting people, you know, because they ran away, mm. you know, mm. shot him in the back, shot mm. this young man in the legs because he's running away, you know. So there, where it, that's the double standard, you know, and mm. top it off with the qualified immunity, you know, now they get to stay. And right. so when we say, you know, these guys should, these cats should be fired, but they have qualified immunity. And so when you're just talking about, you know, and I, okay, I'm just going to say it. When, you know, we had the George Floyd Policing Act policy, you know, that we were waiting on and waiting, you know, we got a, a, a I don't know what that was that they, he gave us, you know, they say all these things to draw us in. And then when it doesn't happen, you know, we lose focus, we lose sight and everybody fall to the right. side until the next big thing happened, you know, and then we remember again. But it's time that we start holding them accountable. We're going to have to. Yeah. Someone said, just like Breonna Taylor, you are absolutely right. So, you know, I'm for a good kumbaya, you know, uh, but it's got to be Gotta mean something. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna stand and hold hands and sing kumbaya, and then we go right back to business as usual because that's what we keep doing. As um, Attorney Robertson said, George Floyd is worn off, mm -hmm. right? So, and you had a lot of people that were so reactive. You know, I know we we hit the street. It was thousands of us out there, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but where everybody at now? Right. I call a march now, two, three people show up. Then they be talking about, oh, she crazy. No, she ain't crazy. You crazy. Because you have allowed, and we got to stop saying crazy too, because when somebody dealing with mental illness, they mm -hmm. are not to be called crazy. Let's start there. But you, 
we have allowed the normalization of us being murdered whether it's by the police whether it's in our neighborhoods no matter how it is we have normalized our deaths and it means nothing people can pick right back up see when george floyd died people couldn't pick back up because it was all over the news it was everywhere you don't see it anywhere now right and so people have been able to go back to business as usual and what does business as usual mean it doesn't fare too well for us next point i believe somebody said when you all were talking about the the say oh he's got a gun 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 what happened with the guy in was it minnesota or minneapolis or whatever she said taser 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 mm -hmm. so they seem to think because just because they say something that that means something and usually if it ain't no tapes rolling it does mean something right well she mm -hmm. said taser she really thought she had her taser no mm -hmm. he knew she ain't have her taser mm-hmm she been on the force for 20 some years. You mean to tell me you don't know what a taser feels like as opposed to a gun? She was a union president. Go ahead, <laughs> Michelle. And <laughs> come on. So here's my next point. Because until we deal with immunity, absolute immunity, meaning mm -hmm. we got to hit their pockets and they ass need to be able to go to jail. I'll cuss for you. See, I'm a little cussing preacher. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord, right? I'm trying to get better every day. Um, but, but until we start putting their asses in jail and mm -hmm. they got to pay the bill when they kill us, until mm -hmm. that happens, and we're going to keep seeing this. Yeah. Because see, when they kill us, guess whose money they spend? They spending our money. Right. They're killing us and then turn around, spend our tax dollars to pay the family off, and then just let the officer go scot free. Until we start to deal with these policing unions, mm -hmm. these unions are covering up everything that they do. These unions are like the mob, these unions are the most lawless. Mm -hmm. They they keep these agencies being lawless, but then they want to uphold the law with us. Who's going to uphold the law with them? You know who's mm -hmm. going to be? It's going to have to be us. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to be us. Because guess what? If you got a sheriff, we vote him in. If you got a, a police that's in the city, most times he's hired or appointed. Mm -hmm. So then people that we vote in hire those folks. It all resorts back to our vote. If exactly. we do not have the right people in these positions of power, and unfortunately, sometimes you can think you got somebody in there that's doing the right thing, and then they get in there and do something total opposite, too. We've got to start grooming us to take these seats. We've got to see because they've got where now you run for state rep. I think you got to raise $50,000. Now, who, which one of us got $50,000 sitting around? Mm -hmm. Right? So they put these things in place so that they can keep us out of these races. We've got to come together as one. We got to stop running a bunch of us at, in the same ticket, right? Because you're splitting the black vote and we got to mm -hmm. raise money and we got to get people that have the same concerns as us and that we know will execute for us when they get in those seats. Anything less than that, we're going to keep dying. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I want to drop the mic on that. Go ahead, attorney Mac. You know, um, <laughs> It's no secret in 2020, I ran for Washtenaw County prosecutor, okay? <laughs> and that's important because unless you have people, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm pleased with the person who got elected uh, compared to what the, the, the alternatives would have been. 
um, unless you've got people that are willing to stand up and address that, not only in a campaign, but in when they get in office, it's going to perpetuate itself. Let me tell you a story about a woman by the name of Aura Rosier, okay? Aura Rosier, you know? Um, some of you may or may not know her name. Mm -hmm. This was a lady that was dealing with mental health challenges, right? Right in the city of Ann Arbor, okay? You know, neighborhood I used to hang out in from time to time, all right? And this lady was dealing with mental health challenges, all right? And I raised this in the, in the campaign, not to pat myself on the back, but to realize that unless people are willing to stand up and say, what about mental health and policing? The SHIT ain't never going to be discussed. You mm -hmm. know, I tip my hat to Al Sharpton. I tip my hat to uh, Sam Riddle. I tip my hat to other people who had the courage to run for office and inject these issues into debate. Because unless you got people that are willing to do that, ain't nobody going to say nothing about nothing. And that money is going to keep on rolling. So mm -hmm. one thing about even being poor and running for office, when you get on that debate stage, you got a microphone just like them people that got hundreds of thousands of dollars next to them. You got the same audience listening to you, just like Al Sharpton did on that debate stage where people had millions of dollars next to them. And I'm saying the case of R. Rosier was an absolute tragedy, an absolute whitewashing of a woman that was had mental health issues. The woman didn't have no 357 Magnum. The woman didn't have no flamethrower. The woman didn't have no bazooka. The woman didn't have no bazooka, uh, uh, Uzi. The woman had a knife. That's what she had was a knife, okay? And what I'm saying is when you've got some of the most highly trained and financed, paid, I might add, police in the state of Michigan, the Ann Arbor police, Ann Arbor's a very rich city, y'all. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I hate to tell you all that if you if you think that people is counting pennies, you know? So it's a very rich city. And you've got trained police officers, you got guns, you got tasers, you got a baton, you got shields, you got a bulletproof vest, you got a you got a helmet, you know, you got all kinds of body armor, you got mace, you have all those things. And you say that your life was in just danger from a woman that was partially nude because she had a knife in her hand. You had to discharge two rounds of a nine millimeter into this woman's chest because you said you was afraid. And I respect what Attorney Robinson said, that same mantra. Well, we had to do it because she could have been a threat to herself. Well, one thing, we know them two nine millimeters was a definite threat to her, don't we? We, we know that, okay? Mm -hmm. That was a threat, you know, and that somebody was in the house. They might've been uh, hurt by, by her. Y'all could have subdued that woman. You could have maced her. You could have tackled her. You could have hit her with your baton. You know, you, you, you could have done a lot of things other than kill that woman. And that case has been whitewashed for quite some time. Those police, the, the prosecutor at the time, not the current prosecutor, but the prosecutor at the time said, well, the officers were defending themselves and no, they, they were in the right and, and won't no criminal charges be filed, you know, uh, won't nothing be done. So when we talk about it, everything is local to me, you know. That yeah. name all rosier is in my mind, and I'd like you to keep that woman's name in your mind as we continue this discussion. Uh, Attorney of Robinson. Woman of color, I might add. Yes. Attorney Robinson, I know you had to leave, so I'm going to let you go ahead. 
Your mic is muted. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'm just saying one thing before I leave. And, and again, thanks for the, and I always appreciate uh, sitting down with y'all in this uh, days, as it were, virtual days. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> just because uh, you can shoot, all right, doesn't mean you have to. Exactly. Okay. Yes. It does not mean you have to. But all those five police officers <laughs> don't think like that. Okay. It is easier to have the convenience of a gun to dispatch than it is to think like uh, Attorney Mack says. A, 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 an alternative to deadly force should have been on, on everybody's mindset for that young man, 22 years old. He's got, they go into the damn situation understanding he's compromised, okay? But they don't, they're treating him as though he doesn't have any disability. They're treating him, him as if he's some, hell, he's even talking to him, put the knife down. Well, he's not talking to a rational person. So, you know, to say that I told him to put the knife down means I did everything I could, and then he starts running at me. So that means I got to kill him. He's got a four-inch blade. He's got five strong police officers, but they don't want to take any risks, okay? They get paid to take risks, mm -hmm. all right? They want guarantees. So that's some bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Attorney Robinson. We'll okay. see you again. And right. I want to put this up before you leave to let everyone know about your book. This attorney... Um, David Robinson and how you can get in touch with him www.davidrobinsonlaw.com if you want to get in touch with uh, attorney Robinson and you can find his book on Amazon you see a human uh, you see a hero and I see a human being thank you so thank much you. all right bye-bye so yes guys they were awesome so rubber to you <laughs> Rabbitia, Rabbitia. First of all, I want to put this up because <clears throat> the use of law enforcement contributes to the stigma that most people with mental illnesses are violent. In fact, people with mental illnesses are more likely than others to be victims of crime and not the perp perpetrate them. Revitia, you're a behavior therapist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, because people call the police, it makes it like the person is over, uh, like they're a, a crazed monster. They have this stigma on, because, you know, they're having a mental illness. And so they got to bring their guns. When that girl opened up the door in her video, it was a police officer standing by a tree with a long gun. Yeah. And she called them yeah. out. Yeah. She's the mother, if you listen to that video with the children and they were just talking, I didn't hear kids in distress or somebody who had been beaten or what. Those kids was just in the background, just talking as she was doing her video. She didn't even sound like a person in distress. But, you know, she did, the, not, she did not sound like a person in distress. But the, and they did not use the least amount of intervention. They didn't even wait for a revetia. They didn't. 
And, and that's that's the problem. What what's amazing is that when you talk about behavioral intervention, the, the idea is that you use the least amount of intervention to accomplish what you need to accomplish. What needed, see, we didn't even realize what needed to accomplish. They didn't even look to see what needed to be accomplished. Like Trisha just said, cowboy intervention. Yeah. Just let's we're so used to the kill. Mm-hmm. And this this is something that's in America. Mm-hmm. We're used, there's the joy of the kill. And, and you get mad at me if you want to. Look, I know I got people who hunt, but we're talking people. Right. We're talking people, but for so long, people, some people have had a joy in the kill. And then they get upset when you want to check them on their mentality when it comes to your desire to kill. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder, well, how come there's so much killing? And why is it, why are our children playing games where we got to kill somebody? And we're being lulled asleep because to kill is like a normal thing that we Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And all this time, you know, kill one person right after another, where we don't even have any kind of of respect or honor or cherish, where you cherish life, because we're so into the kill. Mm-hmm. Where we love the kill. So the people who are doing the killing, their mentality is never checked. That's normal. No, you're not normal. You're not normal. I don't care. You're not normal. If you love to kill, if you seek to kill, you're not normal. Mm -hmm. That is not a normal way of thinking. Where did you come from with that? That is not human. That that is inhumane. And I'm questioning your own humanity now. Are you human? Is your consciousness so detached that you can't even know when you are dealing with a human being i need mm-hmm. us to wake up to this mm-hmm. i like what dion just said just imagine a person a young person playing violent video games that's mentally ill yeah mentally they, Ill. I, we buy games where they kill mm-hmm. <laughs> and let me look i got two boys and a daughter and you couldn't bring it in my house Right, me. You couldn't even bring a fake gun up in my house. My sons didn't play with guns. I didn't buy them video games. No, Mm -hmm. I did not do to participate. Mm -hmm. We can make a choice. We can we can choose differently. We don't have to because it's being sold in the store and every and advertised all day long. We don't have to buy it. They count on our diet. Our diet. We got a choice in this, Jay. The thing about it is. People don't realize that they have a choice. And let me tell you something. If you are raising children, it is your responsibility to raise them Mm -hmm. and not to go according to what this world is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes, the word says be you're in the world, but not of it. But I can't tell it. I can't tell it. Go ahead and tell your child. No. And this is why. Mm hmm. Tell them the reason why. I would tell them, no, we don't do this because it's not kosher. Right. It's not kosher. What's kosher? Kosher is is a Hebrew way of saying the king's children don't deal like this. Exactly. What does that do? That reinforces their royalty. 
and who they are. Mm -hmm. We don't do it because it's not kosher. It's not of us. Exactly. Point blank. Okay. When you tell a child that they grow up with a higher self-esteem, they understand there's some things that we don't do. We're not going to touch the unclean thing. Right. At exactly. some point, as parents, we have to say, no, you're not going to do it and take your children back. Right. Get them back out of this stuff. Right. Because if we're out here and, and like uh, I did, I wrote it down what um, Sam said. We are conditioned. We have been conditioned to our to own, own demise. Mm -hmm. exactly. Unconditioned yeah, yeah. mind right now. Make it. Make a decision. No more today. Yeah. Yeah. Not only conditioned, but not only conditioned, but we financing it. Yeah. You know? We, we 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 are financing it. We paying for the gallows to be built at union wage. I might add. Okay, you know, you know, we we buying the rope, and it ain't at no discount. We paying market price for the rope. Okay, and we're thanking people for the privilege of hanging us and smiling in 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 their face and saying everything everything is all right. And see, and, and part of it is, you know, and I know, you know, y'all probably say, you know, you're tired of hearing me say this, but for me, with my life experience, it's about us regaining our respect of ourselves. You know, you know, once upon a time in my in my growing up, you couldn't call a young black woman out of her name. You couldn't call, oh, B, get over here. You be them sub to get your butt whipped three or four times before you got home in my neighborhood before you got home, okay? And I know for some of you youngsters, it's hard to believe that, but there was a time, there was a time when you just didn't do that. In my neighborhood, you don't talk about nobody's mom and dad, especially not their mama, especially not their mama, you mm -hmm. know? And so, so we had at least some kind of respect, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, and, and, like, and like for senior citizens, it was always you know, Miss Helen or, you know, Mr. Leroy or something like that. And, you know, you know, I used to take the bus, you know, from time to time. And I slowly saw when I got to be older, like we got out of the thing about getting up and giving a, a, a woman a seat, you know, and, and it was just so strange for me. And, and, and I just saw us like we were losing a generation, you know, we, we, and, and like, and, and I'm sorry, look, y'all, y'all be pissed at me if you want to. But I'm sorry, some of these black actors and these black rappers that talk about a uh, Tupac and them, well, we spit, we spit the truth about the streets. Don't blame us for the N-word. Blame yourself and what have you. When you glorify that and you making millions, if not billions of dollars in talking about the thug life, the drug life, how many women you done had sex with, how many women you done got pregnant. You see, and don't, you know, see, don't, don't, don't run that bullshit on, excuse me, stuff on me about how you got a first amendment right and you know you ain't talking about the white boys skip the white boys the white boy is not my concern right now skip the white boys okay i'm talking about the blacks you know and so what i'm saying is we got to start holding some of our people that are in the front accountable you know and and and, and get off the you know you know, get off their jock. You know, I'm 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 sorry, J Love. I had to say that. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know <laughs> what? I, I just want to join 
jump in real quick, Attorney Meg, because what you're saying is so true. And what I'm, I'm admonishing people to do is to get the truth on the matter. Get the truth on the matter. Get the whole truth. Okay, because when you do the research, you look back in 1980, African-American families had the, were, were families together, 80% black families did not have the 50% ratio as far as divorce was concerned. That was not in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. I, I, need, I need you all to, to, to understand that sometimes what's being wrapped to you is not the truth. Because during that time, we had other things that were before our eyes. There were family, education, building up of the community was before our eyes. And that was what was being propagated to mm -hmm. us. Switch it. Now, what has been going through our eye gates, our ear gates, to our children. After that time, mm -hmm. you bought the lie. Mm -hmm. You bought that lie. You bought that lie that said you 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 were uh, were not smart enough to to do this or to do that. You bought that lie. You bought the lie that you were too sick. You bought the lie and went according to all of the whatever was written, be mindful that whatever is written, whatever is being on, on the media, whatever within the media or being mediated to you is not always the truth. Exactly. Got to take your life back. That's right. You got to take your life back. You know, when we're talking about the, you know, all of this stuff is programming, the video games. If, if your kids are sitting up, even the adults, we it ain't always the kids. It's grown folks to sit up here and play these games hours and hours and hours. And so you see the blood and you see all this stuff. So it's normal. Even when we watch these videos on 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 social media of people being killed and shot down by the police, and, you know, we've been watching this for a long time and it's desensitizing. And so when we have these um, things that happen like the mother, you know, getting shot in front of her children, and this young man being shot in front of his mother, you know, we we don't have no outcry for it because it's just an, another day. And uh, that's what happens. And no, and so that's, we create the, um, I want to say, we create the energy of disposable. Everybody is disposable. And so if our community, if we treat each other as disposable, then those who service us treat us as disposable. And so we have to get back to, you know, back to the basis. We got to get back to love, guys. We got to figure it out. And once we get there, we can figure out how to stand up for each other. Not on, when somebody tell you something, this happened to my kid or this happened to my son or this happened to my husband, you know, or they were wrongfully convicted or they this happened. You know, you can stand, believe this. You're not falling for the narratives. You know, people say, oh, I hear that all the time. That's when I started telling the story about my son. People, I had people telling me, well, my aunt used to say that about her, my um, cousin, and he was, you know, you won't have that mindset because you have taken your life back. You understand 
you know, about yourself, about your community, who is um, com uh, policing your community, and you're able to stand up. As somebody has said something about what is accountability. It's us standing up for ourselves and not waiting for them, you know, not waiting for the governor, <laughs> Not even waiting for your step. You can't wait for them. She ran on um, justice reform. Where's the reform? <laughs> she ran on it. She had all these. Uh, I went to a lot of those um, meetings she had all over the state of Michigan. What happened to the reform? You know, so we have to, you know, be able when they come and ask for the vote. I'm asking for the reform. I'm asking for what you said that you was gonna give me. Go ahead, Trisha. <laughs> Go ahead, Trisha. I am. Um, I'm over here cooking some spaghetti for my godchild. So <laughs> I apologize. I got to jump here. Um, but two things. Well, maybe three. Real quick. Um, I believe my brother here said, "How do we deal with being desensitized?" Right? How do we work on being um, desensitized? You know, and conversations. We've got to open up our mouths and start to talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Anytime a woman can be murdered by the police and there's a video surfacing and you don't see folks talking about it, that's a problem. And so until we start to all open our mouths and start to sound the alarm, right? And start to really have conversations with our kids. Um, I believe I was on another, I was on another panel discussion and, and someone said about the trauma. Um, when the Oxford kids were murdered, they brought in the trauma unit <laughs> and all of the children were given free, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, therapy and all this aftercare money that was spent, you know, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that that was done. But when are we going to get some therapy? We need, we need in our communities, we need therapists to step up and help with some of this aftercare and some of this treatment. This is why it's desensitized because when you can't deal with something, you suppress it. Mm -hmm. When it's out of control and you can't control it, you suppress it because that is your control, right? Because that is you being able to control that thought to not enter your head in every waking moment, right? So that I, I can understand why we don't want to talk about it because it's too painful. We need therapy. I, I grew up in Flint. You know how many people that I family members and 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 good friends that was murdered. I'm saying I'm, I'm in high school. We first touched down to Flint. A big time drug dealer was killed in a house with six people. This is my introduction to Flint from Port Huron. Okay, and you know anything about Port Huron? Okay. <laughs> In Flint, okay, and so this is our first. I had nightmares for months. For months, I didn't even live in the neighborhood, but just the mere mention of it, it affected my life. We got to start to deal with the trauma of all of these deaths. And then somebody else said, I believe it was my sis Deidre. Uh, she said, How let me go back up here, let me scroll up. Uh, Deidre said. How do we, oh Lord, how do we, Sister Duckworth, how do we fight this complacency? Because, see, that's what's killing us, too, in, in our neighborhoods and out of our neighborhoods, is we've become so complacent. And I'll tell you what, 
when you become complicit or complacent, you become a part of the problem, right? When when something doesn't bother you anymore, just like uh, Attorney Robinson said, ain't nobody talking about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so horrific. You don't hear an utterance of his name hardly from nobody anymore. Why? Because when we normalize death, when we normalize murder, it keeps us accepting it, right? Mm-hmm. We get to a point where we say, this is not okay. I don't care if people like you talking about it or not. Every time you open your mouth, you should be sounding the alarm about some of these things. Talking about it at church, talking about it at the library, everywhere your foot sets, you should be talking about some of these things to everybody around you. Mm-hmm. Put it on their mind too. Wake and up. They can start talking about it too. So we can break the stigma of the silence of acceptance and what we right. do as a community. Right, Trisha, you know, uh, I'm glad you said that because sometimes, you know, people say, oh, y'all come on every Friday. You know, don't y'all get tired of talking about it? No, that's the problem. We haven't been talking about it. Mm -hmm. We haven't been talking about it. We have. I remember when I was first and I didn't know nothing about anything. I was searching everywhere up and high and low you know, to find somebody to talk about wrongful convictions with. We wasn't talking about this three years ago, four years ago, you know, and so we have to talk about it because that's the only way we're going to educate. It we it gets you to think. We haven't been thinking because ain't nobody talking about it, so we're on to the next thing. Oh, okay. But we have to keep being in your face about it. That talking, talking, talking is is what initiates change. It's the start of it. All right, I had a video and um, cause um, we've been talking about um, how um, Revitia about the mental health. Mm-hmm. And so I wanna talk, um, show like some alternates of uh, area that's doing something different. Yeah, cause they are out there. Uh-huh. Uh oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Here we go, you guys. I've seen how it can go in the community, how things can take a wrong turn. Something has to be done. So we had this video of this dude. It's a white guy in his okay. 30s, and he, he's been coming up in our yards over here and just checking locks and looking for stuff to steal. At our NPU meeting this week, they mentioned that this new program, so we thought we'd try to take advantage of it. Okay, yes, sir. Okay. I appreciate you coming Okay, out. yeah. I'll show you where the guy is. Yeah, please. Floor. It's okay. a white guy, dark hair. Hi, my name is Norma. I'm from PAD. You need some help? You need some help? Cause we don't we don't want the police to come along and 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 take you away for something that's not necessary. You need some help. What we do is provide an alternative to arrest for people who are experiencing homelessness, mental health, or substance abuse issues. You're welcome. You're welcome. Are you uh, are you looking for anywhere to stay? We're first responders in a way.
we work with an agency called PEB. Um, if you all ever have any needs as far as like, you know, uh, housing, shelter, food, anything like that, you can actually call 311 and just let them know what's going on and they'll transfer you guys to us. We're really like in place to help people. Um, you know, sometimes police will be out here and like messing with everyone. So we're kind of an agency to step in to prevent that from happening and actually help people. 311. 311, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I went down and lived under the freeway <laughs> in the tents there down there mm. and got in trouble there. The jails are full of people who have charges related to them just not being able to cope with whatever their mental health issue is or whatever their social health issue is. Instead of people being given the things that they need to resolve those challenges, they're thrown in jail. Maybe that's something that we could look into, like where we can order or ask for or do like a blanket drive so that we always have. I would think so. I would too. Once we're finished getting them settled and meeting their immediate needs, they're assigned a case manager or care navigator that can provide some type of wraparound services. This work is really a part of me because I myself have struggled with mental illness. I actually went to college on a band scholarship to play the drums and, and to get to band camp. And I'm not able to keep up with the demanding schedule because of where I was at mentally. That was a dream that I had to let go because I wasn't ready to handle it at the time. I feel like that gives me a certain level of empathy when I'm looking at some of these individuals and working with them because I'm like, you know what? I, I really can see myself in, in them in a way. If you really get to talk to some of these people that are in some of these situations, you see that they have a lot more potential than the level that they're operating on. Really, sometimes people just need to know what they have access to and they need a helping hand to guide them to whatever that, that resource may be. Because one little thing sometimes can make a difference in someone's life. Yes, sir. No problem. Have a good one. All right. All right, y'all too. All right, take care. Exactly. Yes, sir. Okay. Gravity. That, that's that's remarkable, you know. And and I don't. Um, it seems like it's past um, a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta. Okay. So I want I want to I want you to take note. I want our listeners and audience to know that. That's a nonprofit out in the community doing civic service mm-hmm. without a gun, without a gun. And they're not getting paid. They're not getting paid by, by the people that they're serving. Hmm. There are other choices. And yes, I, I believe PAD should be paid some of the money that's being allocated to the police. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that that they said that stuck with me, many things that they said, but 
the one thing was when the young man said, I see myself. Yeah. And, and when you walk in love, I just saw a clip not long ago on uh, uh, one of the uh, health gurus, Dr. Stevie. <laughs> he said, <laughs> when you love yourself, you're, lo you're able to love everybody. Mm -hmm. You're able to love everybody. And, and and to me, the epitome of that love is when I can look at you and regardless of, of the differences that we may have, I can still love you. I can still love you. And so when you talk with people with, with mental health issues, it's, look, I tell people every day, I'm on the spectrum. You can be on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. All of us are on a spectrum. <laughs> right. We're one line away from I've lost my mind. Okay, and I know that I'm not the only one. When I have gone through things, I have been one. I could have just jumped over, put my toe over the line, and I would have lost it all. Mm -hmm. And and may have gone there sometimes and not even know it. Yes, I, even with working with children, I tell people working with children, everybody on the spectrum. You find you'll find yourself on the spectrum when you talk about children who may be on the spectrum for autism, you're on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. All of us are on the spectrum. All of us have had traumatic experiences. All of us, all of us have, have especially now, if you've gone through the pandemic, check yourself, check yourself. You, you got some trauma going on. Mm -hmm. And even if you're trying to suppress it, the first thing you need to do is just admit it. Because sometimes I look back and I'm thinking, how did we even get here? Right. And so because they can look and feel for others and have empathy for others, we can do this. Right. We can. We can. But I know if we do it in, in Michigan, uh, the state and the uh, city will have to come off some money and they do need to defund the right. police. Yeah, now, get the money from the union mm -hmm. because somebody else is doing your job. Right. Now, I showed you on one side, right? Mm -hmm. Now, here here goes the side that works with the police. Nobody's trying to kill you. I love my job. <laughs> You want to get tased? Yeah, they cut out. Oh you want to get tased? Don't do it. I'm going to kick this door down and rip you out of there. It's ready or something. Ready? Yep. She got four felonies off of that ordeal. We just told her to leave. Look at my heart rate. I am... And play stupid games, you're gonna win stupid prizes. I'm over it. On their YouTube channel, the department says that they understand that the banter can be received as unprofessional, but that the officer's actions were within department policies. This is gonna be so fun. I love my job. See what I mean? Jayla, can I, can I say this, Jayla? Yeah. See, Reverend Tia, 
I love me some Reverend Tia because <laughs> what that lady just said is so true. We all on the damn spectrum. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, and in my line of work, the people I'm highlighting on the spectrum are wearing them black robes. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And so the problem is, in my profession, there is so much ass kissing that goes on in that courtroom where these people are bowing down to these people in robes like they're gods. Mm -hmm. like they're gods. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, too many people in my profession, and who knows, they might bring me up on charge, what I'm about to say mm -hmm. the first time. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> so, so, so look, Jay Love and Tia, if I gotta go underground to be the people's lawyer underground, I'm gonna do that too. I ain't scared no more. I'm too damn old. Too damn old to be scared. <laughs> and too woke too. And we to keep you know. I'm, 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 hello? Mm -hmm, can, you here. can you hear me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So, and, and I guess, you know, Reverend Tia, I just, and Jay Love, I just appreciate you so much because that woman, that police officer, her ass is on the spectrum. See? Right. She's she on the spectrum. She you know? is. And yeah. someone need to give her psychological evaluation. You know, you know, okay. how dare you talk like that about somebody? You know, right. I'm, but that's what the training, you know what I'm saying, attorney Matt? That's what the training got us. Got us. So yeah, and the lady was 70 years old. Right. She was 70. The lady was 70 years old. And then I want I want to take note that that lady said she looked at her little uh watch or monitor and said look at my heart rate mm -hmm. what? you just threatened a 70 year old lady to tase her and whatever else you did to her and you're concerned about your heart rate because she does not consider that woman human with mm -hmm. her no empathy. that that that's why that that's happened right. and the other thing is that uh let's consider the fact that that was in Tulsa Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. There are certain places within the United States we already know how it's gonna go down. Cause you got a history of inhumane acts from the your time since you since your inception, since you decided to take on and take the property from another people and claim it as your own as if you founded something which you did not, then you decided to keep these acts going a bullying kind of way mm -hmm. in which you're okay with that. Right. Right. So. First of all, please do not come for this person, but I do want to talk about crisis lines calling 911 on callers. Calling 911 on people just in case is never appropriate. Basically, sending police is not harmless. It's not like locking your door twice in case you forgot. When we involve law enforcement, we're basically taking an already complex situation and adding a few firearms into the mix. It's not a secret at this point that police are notoriously shitty on mental health calls, especially toward people of color. So unless there is no other way to keep the person safe, let's not do that. Yeah. 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 That right there. Mm-hmm. That right there. Right. Calling the police should not be our first response. Right. 
We got to give the people another response. Mm -hmm. We got to give them, them another response. And, and uh, Jay, I'm going to put up on, uh, let's do the, put a list up on uh, your site, my site, the choice zone. Um, and we can put it back in the comments later yeah. on. Yeah. And so that if people need to have a, a contact to call in case of uh, mental health crisis and case symptoms are high uh, and you can't get any help. Now, back in the day, you could call the ambulance. Mm -hmm. Not long ago. That was before uh, Engler in 1997. That's when he closed all the hospitals, those 16 hospitals that he closed and, and placed all of the mental people who had mental illness in the community. Right. But but um, during that time when that first happened, you could actually call 911 and they would not respond with a police officer. They would respond with paramedics. Right. And right. the paramedics, and it was more of a medical condition. Right. But now you can see that yes. fast forward to today, mental health not only is stigmatized, it's criminalized. Yes. And so that's why 77% of the people who are serving time in prison have an experience mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's criminalized. Yes. Yes. One in four fatal police encounters result in the death of a person with severe mental illness. Yes, it has been criminalized, Revitia. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. when you call the police, they call it because they're responding to a threat. Yeah. You wouldn't, if you were sick, you wouldn't call the police. If you're, you know, if you had high blood pressure, you're not mm -hmm. calling the police. You're going mm -hmm. to see the doctor or you, you're getting some help or some medical assistance. And mm -hmm. that's how mental illness needs to be treated in the same way. We have yeah. to figure that out because just like attorney Hugo Matt said, and many others have said today, our prisons are just the dumping ground for the mentally ill and they're being warehoused and they're being mm -hmm. given pills. I remember when Gerard first got there, he said, Mom, they're trying to give me these pills that's gonna make me sleep. And I do not want to take them. And so, and that's what they do. As soon as you get there, they're going to introduce you to some more meds. Mm -hmm. And like attorney Matt said, you're going to be walking around that track in the days or sleep, yeah. you know, your time away. And then you're going to come back home untreated because no one yeah. did anything. They just warehouse you. And that mm -hmm. can't be the answer. It can't be the answer. We can't allow it to be the answer because these mm -hmm. are our loved ones. And 95% of them are coming back home that's right. so that's right. we shouldn't even want our loved ones to be in those spaces mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. makes us even sicker <laughs> just being in that space mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's not we have to figure out something better yeah so i want to thank everyone for joining us today i just really uh, felt an urgency to have this conversation because you know um, I remember um, someone saying, if you survived a police encounter, and that's, and I added, you may be wrongfully incarcerated. 
So, you know, we have to, you know, continue to <laughs> use this platform and other platforms to talk about, you know, these um, issues, wrongfully detained, wrongfully arrested, wrongly accused, uh, all these stigmas that put us in places, wrongly diagnosed, to put us in these spaces that will cause us to, you know, more harm and our community more harm. So I want to just thank everybody. Uh, thank you, Attorney Hugo. Matt, do you have anything you want to say before we leave? Well, always, Jay Love, you know, I love the struggle. I love my, my, my comrades, but I must put in another shameless plug. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. When you find your hoopity on Police and Trouble Boulevard, pull that wreck off them side street, get to Mac Street, and park in my private lot. That's my only hope. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup, and we love you. Thank you, Attorney Hugo Matt. And before you come, uh, uh, Reverend T, I just want everyone to just please share, you know, these um, uh, broadcasts with everyone. Also, you can listen to it on other platform, podcast platforms. And I didn't speak to those who are watching on YouTube and Twitter. Hello, if Twitter is still running. But hello, everyone. But, you know, please share because... <laughs> We're trying to get this information to as many people as we can. You, that's that is funny, Attorney Fat. I thought about that when I was um, putting the broadcast out. I was like, "Okay, Twitter still running." <laughs> Everybody was quitting yesterday, so <laughs> so you guys watch it on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you for watching us. Reverend leave us, give us something positive to leave with. Yeah, you know what? I just want to, I want to um, it just lift up everybody by letting them know that you still got power. And the power is what you take into you. What's going in your gates. You have power to take your life back, to take your family back. And, and to set a standard, set a new standard, set a standard of peace and love, like Larry just posted, and gratitude. Set a standard in your family. Seek something different. You don't have to go with the mainstream. You can choose something else. You got choices. Yeah, You got right. choices. Right. Take your That's power right. back. Choose something different. Choose a new way of being. And stand on principles and don't go for the okie doke out here. Exactly. Stop listening to this propaganda. I know that's right. <laughs> and because we ain't getting into all that Thanksgiving stuff, we're going to be here on Friday. <laughs> Damn, that right there. And we might be telling y'all the truth. Hey. <laughs> We will be here on Good Friday, uh, Black, whatever Friday they want to call it. We will be call here, you Black guys. Friday, we calling it, it's a Friday. We calling it, we free Friday. We free Friday. Yeah, Liberation Friday. Right, right. J-Love right. and Tia, Christopher, yeah. Christopher Columbus didn't love you. Christopher Columbus didn't love you. 
He don't love nobody look like you. All right. Okay. Hey, hey, y'all. If y'all have a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving for for life and for God and Jesus. Thank them for that. You know, don't don't be don't be on you know Thanksgiving. Them people have done enslaved you and and raped you and took your land. You know, stole your name, your culture, your heritage, your money. Don't get me started. So yeah, 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 I'm here. I'm here. Right. We we gonna beat him. Uh huh. Yeah. Hmaclaw.com is your hookup. <laughs> Hmaclaw.com is your hookup. Hmaclaw.com is your hookup. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be here on Friday, next Friday. Tell us some real truths. So That's be right. here with us and join us. And um, I'm trying to get us back. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>